Hey guys, this is The Real Estate Podcast and it's your host, Alex Kaufman. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I need you to do me a solid. Hit that subscribe button on your phone if you haven't done so already and share this episode with just one person. It's gonna help us get this information out to more people to learn about entrepreneurship and real estate. Thanks, now let's dive into today's episode. There's nothing wrong with being concerned or fearful or any of those things, right? Those are all healthy human emotions. Um, but we don't want to be controlled or constrained by those. So we want to, we want to always look for the opportunities. So I've always operated on the 180 degree rule, which is if I do the opposite of what most people are doing more times than not, it's going to be the right thing and I'm going to succeed. everybody welcome to the real estate podcast today we have a uh, very special guest we've got chris heller chris heller was actually on the podcast um probably about a, a year or so ago wasn't it chris yeah i think so chris is uh has done a lot uh we could probably take up the whole podcast hour uh talking about chris's background and everything he's accomplished um but chris uh is a very experienced real estate investor real estate agent uh, he's on the board of a lot of different companies. He loves helping out real estate uh, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs in general. And so today is going to be a really great podcast. Make sure you listen all the way through. We're going to be talking about what's going on currently with the economic cycle, how real estate investors can navigate what we're going through, and ultimately just what entrepreneurs should be doing right now uh, to set themselves up to not only just make it through a downturn or recession, but also to start taking some market share and making a lot of progress. So Thank you so much for hopping on with me today, Chris. I'm really looking forward to our discussion. And Alex, always uh, always happy to chat with you. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's get started. Uh, I mean, let's just kind of dive right into where we're at right now with the economic cycle, if you don't mind. Uh, you know, with the rise of interest rates uh, starting last year, a little over a year ago, we've, of course, seen uh specifically in the austin texas real estate market but i know that you are very familiar with uh, the other markets that you're working with and everything that ojo does uh, but we've seen you know a downturn uh with prices and a decrease in consumer demand uh for mortgages and buying houses um and so just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on this is the first uh downturn that i've been through you know i was born in uh 1994 so in 2008 uh, I was probably 12 or 13 years old and wasn't invested in real estate yet. So just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on where we're currently at, how this compares to where we've been before in the real estate cycle, uh, anything that you're noticing that might be uh, abnormal uh, with what's happening now versus, uh, you know, this part of the cycle uh, in history. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you bring up a really good point is a lot of people like yourself haven't experienced a different market or 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 a downturn in a market. Um, you know, in, in 1990, the, our markets hit a peak, and for seven years, we were in a down market. Um, I bought a house in July of 1990 in San Diego for $450,000, and by 1997, that house was worth $325,000. Um, and, you know, so we had a seven-year down cycle we had, prior to that we had about an eight eight year you know appreciating cycle uh in 97 the market turned from 97 to 2005 we had a rapidly appreciating market 
2005, the market started to, to peak. And in 2006, 2007, and then we hit 2008, which was a, uh, a, an event that no one anticipated. <clears throat> Myself and many people anticipated that the market would turn in 2005 or six. Um, because, you know, uh, affordability was becoming an issue. We'd, we'd had again, seven or eight years of a, of that cycle. And it was normal for, for these economic cycles to, to take place, especially in real estate. But the banking crisis was, you know, wasn't predictable. I guess, except for one person that, uh, and one company that was, uh, they made the movie about, uh, and, and then, you know, 2012, we sort of hit the trough. There's 2011 was the, really the bottom 2012, um, was kind of the trough. And then 2012 up until last year, we saw an appreciating market. Now, <laughs> what people have come to understand is that in 2020, when the the pandemic started, uh, it created a, a dynamic that again, no one could have anticipated and no one could have predicted what would have happened. In fact, many people thought at the beginning of the pandemic, the exact opposite of what happened would happen. And instead we had this turbocharged, uh, you know, market dynamic, which caused a, a you know, a huge amount of, uh, demand and, and buying and, and that coupled with, you know, um, uh, historically m maybe never to be seen again, uh, you know, that low of interest rates that would cause this perfect storm of increased demand and shot the market up even higher. Well, that's done now. And, and now things are coming back down and adjusting. So I think the main point is these cycles are normal. And, and every time there's a change in the cycle, regardless of where the change is up or down or good or bad. And, and the other thing is keep in mind during any of these, these runs, whether it's a run up or run down, it's never a constant run up or a constant run down. There's times where it feels like it's bottomed out or going up again or going down again or, or what have you. But the important thing, especially for investors is that change equals opportunity and Whenever there's a change in the market, in the economy, opportunities are created. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, what are some of those opportunities that you think are uh, presenting themselves for investors right now? Yeah. So um, change often creates um, fears. Change often creates uncertainty. And there's, I don't mean this in a negative way or predatory way. But there's opportunities to take advantage of that. You know, sometimes it causes people to do things that they normally wouldn't do or to make decisions that they normally would make or to, or to speed up the decision they were going to make. And if someone's made the decision, gosh, you know what, I, I better sell now because I want to preserve as much equity as I can or to, 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 I want to go take advantage of this plan that I've had to take advantage of to, you know, to go move to this property and build my dream home or whatever their, their plans are. Um, that could create motivation in a seller. The other thing that happens when, when there's a change is the balance of, of negotiating leverage changes, right? During the pandemic, as everyone knows, the seller held all the leverage, right? If you were buying a property from a seller, you were buying it with whatever it had, however they wanted to sell it at whatever price, whether on whatever terms, 
Um, in, in a changing market like we're in now, the buyer actually has more leverage in most markets. And so if you're a buyer and we're an investor, um, that's a good thing, right? You can create you know, different terms, you can create different circumstances to, to be able to buy a property the way you want to versus you know, having to compete with 27 other people and, and do it not necessarily, necessarily on your terms. So there's just more opportunities. What will happen also is in, in you know, tougher economic times, uh, there are people that will have, unfortunately, economic challenges. And those people will be forced to, do, to sell their properties. Um, and you know, normally in, at this stage of the market, we'd be talking a lot about foreclosures and short sales. Um, I, the reason that we, we don't hear a lot of that talk now is that we, we are entering this time at a time where people have record amounts of equity. And that hasn't been the case in in the last few downturns where, you know, the people were fairly leveraged and, and largely because of the way that lenders were, were loaning money. So I don't know, I'm not saying that there won't be foreclosure for sales, but they'll, um, I think there'll be few and far between. That doesn't mean that there won't be good opportunities though. Right. No, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting because, um, and I agree with you. And for everybody who is listening, uh, with the motivated sellers that Chris is talking about, where they uh, do want to, you know, are, are forced to sell uh, their property, maybe at a good price to investors. One thing that Chris, I'm always telling our guys is, hey, look, we're not, we're never going to, uh, we're never going to do a good job uh, taking advantage of people. And that's not our goal. Our goal is not to come in here and uh, steal this house from a seller. Our goal is to truly figure out what the seller's problem is, uh, figure out what their motivation is, and figure out how we can provide a solution for their problem. Now, it's got to be a uh, win-win scenario. You know, the seller's not going to do it if we don't provide a good enough solution that solves their problem, and we're not going to buy it if it's not a good enough deal for us. And majority of sellers that we talk to uh, understand this, and we're very transparent about, hey, you know, we are investors. We do have to make money in this somehow, some way. Uh, so let's see if we can work together to figure out a solution that both parties are, are happy for. Uh, and we're truly able to come in or investors in general or someone who's looking to help this person out is able to truly help them out of a situation that maybe they didn't have a solution uh, presented to them previously that was able to solve. Yeah, Alex, I, I wanted... Um you know, drill down on what the, what the point you made is that none of us would, 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 uh, think about taking advantage of people as being an okay thing to do. There's a difference between taking advantage of people and taking advantage of situations. And when, when the economy changes, that's a situation that, that, that changes. And those are the, when we say take advantage of, of things, we're talking about taking advantage of, of those type of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, uh, previously it was, you know, when, uh, the market was really, really hot, it was taking advantage of that situation, uh, being able to find a deal on the, and be the seller and take advantage of, we've got a hundred different buyers to choose from to buy our properties. And so we're going to get the best terms we can get. Um, but it, it is, uh, you know, really important to be able to navigate and, uh, I did, identify the opportunities as they come up. One thing that we've been doing is uh, identifying some seller finance deals uh, where, you know, because with rates being where they're at right now, a lot of the 
prices that we would traditionally buy at with the lower rates don't work anymore. So with sellers, we're able to come in and offer a solution to potentially get them the price that they want so long as we can you know, work out terms with seller finance that makes sense for us with mortgage payments and timeline and uh, cash flow. So that's another way that people could be looking for opportunities right now. And um, there's a lot more that are going to come. You know, it's hard to, we've had an issue and maybe would love your insight on it, but we've had an issue predicting what the opportunity will be exactly uh, prior to the opportunity presenting itself, but we have to just figure it out in the moment. And it really just kind of hits us when we say, all right, we're hitting our head against the wall here. This isn't working anymore. Uh, let's try this. And then, you know, the new opportunity is there. Yeah, it's um, like no one has a crystal ball. So, you know, when you look into the future, um, I think the, one of the most important things is to to really have clarity on, on what your goal is, right? If it's a, if I'm buying a property, it's a long-term I'm, I'm looking at the property and considering the property or the the uh, opportunity as a long-term situation or a long-term play, then I don't need to be so concerned about what the market looks like 12 months from now or 24 months from now. Um, so now, now, if I'm buying a property because I think I can fix it and flip it, you know, then then that becomes really important. What we think is going to be going on six months from now, 12 months from now. So, you know, that's, that's one thing we need to look at. We don't always need to know, you know, where we think things are going to be. Um, because here's what we always know is over the long run, there's inflation, there's appreciation. And 10 years ago, things were less expensive than they are now. And 10 years from now, things are going to be more expensive than they are now. Uh, and it just, you know, in, in terms of real estate, what matters is, you know, how much of it we're, we're holding and how much we're able to acquire at, at a good buy. Um, so then when it is worth more, we can we have the, the luxury of, of taking advantage of that if we want or need to. Right. The the other thing that's really key is um and you again you touched on it, there's this this type of environment does create different types of opportunities. Seller financing um is, is one. Um you know, lenders offering products that they weren't offering, you know, the, the past 10 years, you know, with, with buy downs and, and in ways of, of, of getting lower rates. So there's a, a lot of different levers that, that we can, that we can maneuver to, to make sure that whatever we're doing makes sense financially. Is there a, a certain type of opportunity that you personally are looking for right now with real estate investments or just in general? Yeah, I um it's a really good question. I I'm I'm always looking for opportunities and I you know the, the question that I'm sure we both get asked a lot is 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 it a good time to buy? And my response is always the same. It's it's always a good time to buy if you're getting a good buy. So, yeah, I'm looking for for opportunities where uh you know, there's it's cash flow positive properties. I I tend to like the buy and hold um, I'm, I, I have done flips. I'm not opposed to doing them. If one presents itself, that it makes more sense to do that. I certainly do that, but I'm looking for, you know, long-term valuable. So properties that are in the path of, of progress, properties that are in the area where, where things are going and growing that, um, will be a, a much more valuable area five or eight or 10 years from now. Uh, and, and then there's properties that, that make sense financially where I'm getting a good return. Uh, in when the 
when the appreciation rate slows down or goes down, then you know, your cash on cash return becomes even more important. Right? When, a, when a property is going up in value, you know, five or, or six or seven or eight or nine or 10% a year, you're okay with a, with a two or three or 4% cash on cash return. When that's not, then you want to be looking at that, you know, that eight, nine, 10, 12% cash on cash return. And so those are some of the things that, that I look for and look at. Yeah. It, uh, that's how, uh, we've switched a, a little bit. And again, this was, uh, you know, the first time kind of gone through, uh, a cycle in general. So learning it as we go along and, uh, you know, for, for everybody out there who's, uh, maybe just getting started investing or, uh, looking to get started investing. I mean, for myself, I can listen to as, as many podcasts, uh, as many, uh, books, as many, uh, speak to as many, you know, very knowledgeable people as I possibly can. However, uh, it's really, uh, hard to internalize, uh, what all that information really means until I experience it, uh, on a personal level. And so I've heard my, you know, entire investing career, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. Uh, however, when we were buying deals and awesome that we're appreciating 20%, 40% uh, a year, uh, and we were able to buy with hard money loans at 10% at really good prices, uh, get all the appreciation on top of it, and then six, 12 months later, refi into 4% long-term debt. That strategy was working out really, really well for us, and it does not anymore. Um, and so our strategy has completely changed to really only uh, buying properties that uh, do provide us that that cash flow uh, because it's really the only thing we've got at this time uh, to provide that return that we need. Hi, my name is Alex Kaufman and I'm the co-owner of Type Q Real Estate. Since the beginning of time, real estate has created more millionaires than any other investment and I want to get you a ticket to our real estate workshop so that you can get everything needed to start investing today. I know you don't have the knowledge, the resources, or the connections to start investing. Most beginner investors spin their wheels over and over without actually taking any action to successfully start buying real estate investments. That's why I want to get you your ticket to our workshop so that you can meet the right people and learn the exact steps to start buying investment properties. And it doesn't cost you thousands of dollars either. In fact, I'll give you an executive ticket for less than $100 that you can get in the room with the right people and leave with a million dollars worth of value. Just click the link below to grab your ticket today. Yeah, it is. It's, um, it just, you know, how we look at things change when the market change. And, and part of that too is, is mindset, right? Um, like the, the general population or the, the, the general consensus about how we think about things when things go from like really good and really great and really frenzied and really fast to the opposite of all those things is, to, you know, the mindset tends to get negative. Like, Hey, this is, this is a bad time. This is a bad things happening. These are negative, negative, uh, uh impacts to, to the economy and to people. Um, and if you can, if you can shift that mindset to a, a mindset of opportunity, and looking for the opportunities in in the things that are happening, um, you'll see things that you 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 don't normally see because you're, you're you're you've changed the lenses that you view them through. So you know, having a an opportunity mindset or or a strong mindset when it comes to um, uh, blocking out the negatives 
and and focusing on on where there's opportunities will help you see things that you, you probably wouldn't see or recognize. Right. Yeah, and it uh, the mindset is really important. Uh, I think the uh, the commitment to it is really important. It's I think it's hard to uh, really kind of um, with anything you're doing. Uh, when things turn south or there's a lot of negativity, uh, to turn that around and really look for the opportunities and have that positive mindset, if not fully committed to, to whatever you're doing. Uh, but I do want to talk about mindset a little bit. Um, so you wrote Dom- Dominant Thoughts. Uh, and when did you launch that book? About a year ago? Yeah, we wrote and launched that book about a year ago. Uh, it's uh, called Dominant Thoughts, as you said. It's a it's a short business parable that's not real estate specific although a lot of real estate people and a lot of young entrepreneurs have have, have really taken to it um and it's it's a story about a mentor and a mentee and i basically took all the lessons that i've learned in the last you know 40 plus years of doing this and and the great mentors that i've had and and woven that into this this little story of of how people can can achieve things that are extraordinary when when they they are just an ordinary person like I was. Yeah, well, uh, we're all just kind of ordinary in a in a sense. Um, but you're, you know, I I have this thought, and I'm very curious to to understand how you think about it. Um, but where do you think that the uh, the commitment, the hard work? Uh, everything that you've put into your entire career from from day one and the positive mindset, uh, where do you feel like this comes from? From you know people who are uh, looking to improve their mindset or people who are looking to you know read dominant thoughts and kind of change the way that they think about things. And the way that I the reason I ask is because uh, you know I'm wondering if it's if it's something that can be learned, is it a muscle that you must, uh, you know, work out over time? Because uh, I try and think of for myself, you know, was there a moment or was there a reason uh, that caused, you know, positive mindset and being able to to work through opportunities? And for me, it was almost out of uh, a crisis. You know, I don't know if you know this, but from 11 to 21, I was under the influence of drugs and alcohol the entire time. And by 21, I was a full-blown heroin addict. And in that moment, uh, when I did actually get sober, I was either going to die or go to prison for the rest of my life uh, for something stupid that I had done. And so it was like that moment that caused everything forward. And I'm curious if that was something for you and what your opinion is on, on that in general for people out there looking to improve. Yeah, I think there's, um, I think most of us have things that happened that, that caused us to become who we are. And some of those are big, dramatic and traumatic things, and some are, are little things, but they all shaped who we are. Regardless of who we are, though, I, I think that having, developing that type of mindset is something that anyone can do. And it is a muscle. It is a muscle that can be built and, and developed, but like like any other muscle, if you don't use it and exercise it and build it and develop it, you, it, it won't it won't be functional or won't won't exist. So it takes a uh, for many people, it takes much more of a conscious effort 
than it does for others. But that doesn't mean that anyone can do it. I mean, if we look at, I don't believe that that some people were born with a stronger mindset than others, or some people were more driven than others, or some people were more disciplined than others. Um, I believe that things happen that that cause us to develop those those muscles and those habits, and and some of them again were conscious, some of them were were unconscious or subconscious that that because of our situations. I I I know for myself, I'm I'm a combination of both. Um, but when it comes to developing the discipline and the mindset, there were very specific things that I did to do that, to help me achieve the things I wanted to achieve. And those are the things we talk about in the book. And those are the things that anyone can do. Um, the first step is just having the awareness of, you know, either where you're at or where you want to go. A lot of us, um, you know, one of the things that we talk about is is just you know your your positive or negative mindset, right? Um, we are in a world where there is way more negative than positive, right? With the news, the social media, the you know, world events, the economy, everything. There's you can really go down some dark tunnels if you really focus on those things, and and we know that what we focus on expands. So, you know, how do you limit your focus on those negative things? And at the same time, increase your focus on positive things. And I'm talking about with every input, right? What we listen to, who we talk with, what we watch, who we spend time with, our physical environment. You know, are we doing things to make sure that we're limiting the negative, shielding ourselves from the negative, and then at the same time, maximizing the amount of positive that we're putting in? Because it's much easier to accomplish things. It's much easier to... to to create the habits and have the discipline and do the things we know we need to do to be successful when we have a good mindset. When we have a, when we have a negative mindset or we're depressed or we're focusing on all the negative things, it's hard to, you know, to be at peak performance. You, you can't do it. Um, so you know, n- limiting the negative and, and, and focusing on the positive is just one of the things that you know, helps put you in a frame of mind to where you can then do the things that you know you're supposed to be doing. Uh, it helps you do more even on the on the days that you don't want to do it or don't feel like doing it. Uh-huh. Is is Dominant Thoughts the uh, first book you've written? It is. It is. I thought I've had many times during my career uh, thoughts of, of writing a book, but um, uh, again, the right opportunity presented itself. I was on a podcast about two years ago, standing about five feet over from where I'm standing right now. Um and uh, one of the there were three guests on the podcast, me and two other guests, and one of them was a, a guy named Greg Reed. Um, he's a phenomenal human being and has written over fifty books. And uh, the host of the podcast said, "Hey, Chris, when are you gonna write a book?" I said, uh, "I don't know. I've thought about. It. I just I'd have to I'd have to pick Greg's brain on how to do it." And two days later, Greg called me and said, "Hey, you mentioned you want to write a book. Um, I've done it a bunch of times." Uh, if you have the content, uh, I have a title already. I have the URL. I have all the contacts. I can tell you and show you exactly how to do it. But you know, you got to provide all the content. I said, I got the content. I've had it in my brain for a long time, um, and so we um, we wrote the book. Got it. So y'all wrote it together. Um, yeah, we're co- we're co-authors. I he basically 
mentored me in doing it. I I, I did the book. It's, it's my content, my my lessons, and and everything else. And he he was my mentor. You know, show me what to do, when, and how, and where, and with whom, and and all those things, which were really key. Right? Those are the things I didn't know. Right. And so uh, that was going to be my question was because uh, you're extremely experienced, extremely knowledgeable about uh, many different things. Um, why uh, you chose to write your first book about mindset? Uh, was it the the URL and the title already picked out? Or no, it was um, <laughs> it was because it's one of the things that that since my early twenties, you know, twenty. 21 years old. Um, it's one of the things I've really focused on that's helped me succeed at the level I have. I mean, um, you know, for those of our, our, our viewers or listeners that don't know, I, um, I was one of the top real estate agents in the country. I became ultimately became the number one real estate agent in the world for Keller Williams, uh, became the president of Keller Williams, uh, global and handled all the global expansion around the world. Uh, he became the CEO of the whole company, um, was then the CEO of another company that was owned by Lone Depot, uh, chief real estate officer now for um, the successful startup in Austin. Um, all those things, all those opportunities presented themselves because of the results I was getting. And the results that I was getting were largely due to my mindset and having and developing discipline in, in key areas that would allow me to, to achieve things that others weren't able to achieve or, or weren't able to sustain achievement. Um, so it was a, a topic that's very familiar to me and I already had, um, a lot of the content on it cause it's something that I work on all the time and continue to work on all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's extremely important. And I'm sure, uh, uh, for myself at least, and I'm sure your experience has probably been similar. Uh, you know, just like you were talking about earlier with, uh, uh, cycles and market going uh up and down um you know similar to that concept uh even with mindset uh it kind of mindset you know everything discipline i mean i go through cycles of discipline mindset uh and it's never either straight up or straight down sometimes it's up and down and uh really having awareness around that to work through it uh is is extremely important yeah it's it's like uh it's like most things in life, you know, it's, uh, it's like our physical health, right? If, um, if we want to be in, in, in the best possible shape, that means, you know, we have to have discipline about our diet and our exercise. And, you know, there's times where, you know, people are very good about those two things and there's times when they're not. And, you know, the more consistent that we can get, um, just like, it with diet and exercise, the more consistent we can be with having a great mindset and a strong mindset, you know, the, the easier it is to, to operate at, a, at an optimal level or at peak performance. Right. Well, with uh, a lot of the, uh, uh, businesses that you work with. So, uh, how many, how many, uh, boards are you on? Um, so I'm, I'm on, uh, I'm on the board. I, I was actually started as a board member of, of Ojo and then joined them full time in 2019. Then I'm on the advisory board of four, four other companies. And then I'm an advisor for a handful of other companies. So around 10 to 15 ish, somewhere around there that yeah. work directly with. Mm -hmm. uh, 
when you're uh for all other you know business owners out here and i know that these are uh uh really the the same answer to a lot of these different questions uh for the real estate scenario for investors for anyone looking to improve their mindset and what i'm about to ask uh for business owners uh but with the business owners that you uh help out uh on a weekly monthly basis and for anybody out here who has their own business uh that might be concerned with where the economy's headed into um uh, what would be your your advice for them as we you know navigate through this part of the uh economic cycle yeah um you know it's uh there's nothing wrong with being concerned or fearful or any of those things right those are all healthy human emotions um but we don't want to be controlled or constrained by those. So we want to, we want to always look for the opportunities. So I've always operated on the 180 degree rule, which is if I do the opposite of what most people are doing more times than not, it's going to be the right thing and I'm going to succeed. And in a time where, where many people are hunkering down and pulling back, um, being able to go on the offensive and be able to be proactive is is how most companies that that make great gains and and create great wealth do it. They do it in down markets. That's what you. That's what we, you know. History has shown us time and time again. So it doesn't mean that we aren't that we're fiscally irresponsible or that we're not, you know, cutting expenses or saving as much as we can. But at the same time, we are also looking to where we can where we can make investments and where we can take advantage of, of opportunities um, versus just hunkering down and, and contracting. And I think for any any business of any type, um, you wanna have that mindset, right? We wanna be as as lean and mean as we can uh, from a financial uh, you know, perspective and at the same time, aggressive and, and being on the offensive when it comes to opportunities that we can take advantage of to grow or to take territory or to take market share. Uh -huh. Yeah. It's, uh, you always have to, uh, especially now, uh, you have to look for those opportunities and make adjustments. And there's, there's some things that are just right around the corner that, uh, a lot of people may not be aware of, uh, us included on, you know, is this going to work? Is this going to work? Is this going to work? But constantly, uh, really pushing to, to find that, uh, you know, depending on where we're at and what we're looking to accomplish the, the thing that's going to propel us forward for our current goal. Um, so, uh, well, this has been great. I mean, what, uh, what can our viewers, uh, do for you to, to add value to, uh, Chris Heller's life and business? Hey, um, look, I love contributing. So if there's things I can help with, feel free to reach out. You can contact me on any social media platform. Uh, if you want to want to read a great little book on you know developing a strong mindset and, and and having some specific lessons that you can learn to to grow and do better, then check out Dominant Thoughts. It's on email, or we have our website dominantthoughts.com. Uh, and with, uh, and if you like it, share it with other people. Good. Um, and any, anything, uh, regarding, uh, you know, if people want to send you deals or something to reach out to you via your social media channels is best. Yeah. You can just DM me or, you know, uh, contact me happy to, happy to chat. Perfect. And then, and any, 
uh, any last minute things that you would kind of want to, uh, leave people with? Yeah, it's, um, as long as we're delivering value to the people that we interact with, um, you know, I, I always, I always operate on what comes around, goes around. And, um, I think if we, if we always have that mindset, you know, whether you want to call it luck or good fortune or karma, whatever I call it, good things do come and good things will happen. Um, it's, it's important not to have the expectation, but just have the knowing that they will. So help people be, be of value in your business. Make sure your customers are getting massive value. Um, in everything that you do. And if you do that, you, you won't have to worry about the future. All right. Dominant thoughts. Uh, thank you, Chris Heller. We're going to have, uh, for everybody listening, wherever you're watching this on, we'll have a link to dominant thoughts, uh, in the description below. So you can go check it out. Thank you for your time, Chris. And, uh, hopefully we get you on again soon. Maybe we, maybe this is an annual thing or something. All right. Sounds good. Happy to. All right. Thanks, Chris. All right.